Yes, guys, welcome back to the Two Blues podcast and myself and, as always, my co-host, Mr. C-Money Picks, back this week for another episode of our What's Gone Wrong mini-series, uh, focusing on Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. Um, struggling, charms, we've been wanting to do this one for a minute. How are we feeling, my bro? We're very excited to grill Liverpool, I, I must say that. like It's, it's always a pleasure. Overdue, man, overdue. Yeah. <laughs> Very overdue. And like to be fair, like this could have happened at any point of the season. They've looked like a shadow of their former self. I think a lot of people, including, you know, the three of us that had been doing the prediction video at the beginning, we we had, you know, we could couldn't find anywhere below second to put Liverpool. So it's quite funny to uh, see what has happened. Uh, but it's also quite sad. So I can't wait to kind of break it down with yourself and let the people know what's going on. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm. you say funny and sad. I mean, after seeing how gassed they got so quickly after a couple of good seasons, it is nice to see Liverpool fans, you know, being humbled. And what is more humbling than a 3-0 loss to, uh, to, to 15th place Wolves at Molyneux, bro? That was a defeat. I mean, they, they didn't even lose. They got battered. Wolves played them off the park. You know, this is a, a 15th place Wolves who, you know, that, just for a bit of context... Before today, or before this weekend, sorry, had won four out of 20 games. You know, they've got a lot of quality. Wolves are arguably a team that have been underperforming this year, very much in amongst it in terms of the, the relegation battle at the moment. And yeah, not not even like we said, made Liverpool look poor, made made them look very, very poor. You know, they they, they didn't deserve anything out of that game. Yeah, it's 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 quite funny because you just spoke about you know the, how Wolves have been performing this season, and it was a team that I even spoke to you about potentially even doing a what's gone wrong at Wolves. But obviously, like you know, we see what's happened in Liverpool. It's just it, it's shocking. You know, it's absolutely shocking. I mean, Wolves aren't exactly in a position where they can be battering around teams pillar to post, but it seems like they were able to do it against Liverpool when they're struggling to do it against teams like Forest and Everton. You know, so it's 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 just interesting to see, like because. You, it, it all falls on the Liverpool side. I mean, as much as I would love to give credit to how excellent Wolves were in that game, it's more so how bad were Liverpool. I mean, you look at their offence and it's just insane. I mean, it, there's shades of former players in front of it. I, I just can't even believe it. Like, what, what what's happened in Diogo Yota? Like, we don't even have to start with what's happened with Mo Salah. Nothing's happened with Darwin Nunes. He's just been shit. So, like, you, you know, I, it's, it's incredible. I mean, Cody Gakpo, coming off of that World Cup, I was thinking... Wow, what an issue that's going to be going into. What's it? Z- zero goals in six games. It's like he's a game away from 007, man. They they all called, they all labeled Sancho 007. Man United fans have got that meme locked and loaded, bro. Gakpo's got 90 minutes, he's got one more game. What's he done, man? Yeah, no, 100%. Man, I, I, think, I think it's an embarrassing statistic. Uh, but I think it, it more falls on you know management and it falls on tactics, it, it falls on. Uh, you know, just the ins- just the just the strange style of play that seems to be being played at the minute. It's just it's not the Liverpool I was used to. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, I'm not going to be happy going down to Anfield. I'm I'm probably going to have have some nerves about me, but I'm not going to have the nerves I had two years ago. And that is a Sorry. confident promise. Yeah, hundred percent. It's not the same Liverpool team, and you know, you look at Jurgen Klopp's been there since I think it's October 2015 now. So that's coming on seven and a half, nearly eight seasons, eight years. The team that they had at 2015 is, is I want to say it's significantly different in terms of 
the personnel and also the way they play, but it's it's really not. They haven't changed that much from you know the counter attack, the Gagan press, the counter attacking football that Jurgen Klopp kind of introduced and revolutionised English football over that couple of seasons. When we had you know a couple of teams that were forced to do that, you know, in the eighteen nineteen campaign, I think it was when they went toe to toe with City and finished one point behind. That was the season that that really Liverpool started to kind of reach their peak, and you thought, okay, this is a Liverpool that we could see for, you know, competing at the top level for four or five years. But that hasn't happened. You know, you look two, three seasons on and we're already starting to see the decline. And I had a quick look. And from that, from when Jurgen Klopp took over the uh, the squad in 2015, there are a few players, quite a few players that are still in that squad. Uh, so the first one who I was very surprised, Joe Gomez, someone that we all consider to be an up-and-coming centre-back still, or a fairly young centre-back still. Seven years ago, he was in the squad. He was one of only five players. Sorry, this is in the 16-17 squad. He was only one of only three players in the squad when Jurgen Klopp joined. But as of the 16-17 season, Jurgen Klopp's first full season, he was one of five players in that squad, along with James Milner, Jordan Henderson, Roberto Firmino, and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Now, I'd argue that, for me, uh, that Milner and Henderson, sorry, weren't good enough to be in a championship, a Champions League winning side five years ago, let alone now. The other three, I still firmly on the side of Reese James is better than Trent Alexander-Arnold. He is not good enough to be in that back four. But you look at the players that there are there have been there's been a significant amount of change. But there are still the majority of them are still over 28, 29 years old. They are coming to the end of a cycle. It looks like a very, very tired squad. You know, that centre mid, that centre mid trio, I think the three that started against Brighton. Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago had a combined starting age of 92, bro. That stinks. They have such a stale squad. And when you look at the lack of players coming through as well, I think I could only name in the last three years, you know, or the last five years, Harvey Elliott, Stephen Bajetic, who looks good, and Curtis Jones, who I'm hearing Liverpool fans already want out. They've already lost patience with the Don. So... This Liverpool team is stagnant, and and it, I'm I'm not surprised that they it has come st- crumbling down so quickly since those two seasons. You know when they won the, the Champions League and the league. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a it's a really great point, and you know there's there's other players that get away with things left and right, and they do not take accountability for for the flaws in in their performances. I mean, you know, we look at Van Dijk. I mean, how the hell that he's made a team of the year on FIFA does not make sense to me. I didn't even play that trash anymore. I saw him holding up a picture of with the trophy and I was like, hang on, is this from this year? And I thought that was insane for him to be, have even been dubbed in the top five centre-backs in the world at the minute. Like, it's yeah, OK, but Liverpool, cool. but, but have... Liverpool fans will still tell you that Van Dijk is the best centre-back on the planet. And this is the problem I have and this is the point I'm trying to raise. Is It's... There is a definite delusion, right? Because we all know that the ability of Van Dijk... I'm using him as an example, and I'm not trying to pick on the guy because I understand he's a fantastic football player, but no one can argue right now that he's the best centre-back in the world. But I've heard it in the last couple of weeks, and it just makes no sense to me. I was on Instagram yesterday, and I was hearing people talking about Trent Alexander-Arnold still being you know, the best right-back in the league, better than Reese James. And I'm thinking, bro, like Reese James can be out for three months, play two games, and he's had a better season, right? What what Alexander Arnold is bringing to the defense is a hole for left wingers to exploit. Like it's it, he doesn't have any defensive prowess. And I'm sorry, like you could say how good he is with the ball, how good he is at switching it, but until he's playing at right mid, I'm not going to be hearing any of it. And at the minute, they're still playing with a fullback, so I'm not. I'm, I don't understand the argument. But then you mentioned the point about the midfield. 
how many excuses in the last couple of years have we heard for those players? How many times have we heard, yeah. oh, yeah, but Milner's good enough. Oh, but Henderson's good enough. The only player that I thought in that sort of category of people saying, oh, he's good enough, it was Wijnaldum, and he's gone. So I, I don't actually understand where these arguments are that these players are still at this high level regardless of their age and that they deserve to be in this spot. We, they need to wake up, smell the bacon, understand that they need to do something about their midfield. And buying Cody Gatfo as a replacement for Sané, and it's, you know, it's, not, immediately, it's not immediately gone uh, to plan, it, it doesn't work. You know? So it they does. need to go fix it up immediately. But it, it stinks. The fan base stinks because it's every time they back their players. And I'm hearing from Anfield Agenda and, you know, guys like this, that Jordan Henderson, and I saw a video the other day, which I, I can't believe in any way, shape or form, is not clickbait. But he was talking about how Jordan Henderson should be in the conversation with Gerard and Lampard above skulls. You know, he's clear of Paul Scholes every day of the week. He thinks Jordan Henderson, as captain of Liverpool and captain of England, has done this. Bruv, how Jordan Henderson has captained these teams, I do not know. The man is a fraud. Do not ever chat to me about Jordan Henderson, man. Shouldn't be making England squad. Shouldn't be making the Liverpool squad. I'm done. But Liverpool fans want to back into the hills. And then all of a sudden, when they lose one game, they turn on their own players. But hang on a minute. You're the one that wants these players in. You're the ones that have been backing this. And I get that, obviously, they are not in decision-making. You know, at the end of the day, when you look at FSG, I think the net spend over seven years is something like 240 mil, which, although is not bad for a club like Liverpool and for a club that is challenging for the Champions League, it is not good enough. A net spend of 20 mil, 22 mil every season is not good enough. It's not going to win you that. But when you take away and when you look at the signings they made, because they have been very, very frugal with the money we've spent. We we talk all the time about Chelsea. You know, teams like Chelsea just going out and spending 100 million at a player. Players like, signing players like Mane for 40 million, Salah for 40 million, Luis Diaz for 45 million. These are very, very good signings. There are players like Anthony Gordon, yeah. Conor Gallagher going for this money. You are signing world-class players, players at the top, top level for this money. So Liverpool have been investing. You know, you look at players like that. They've spent 80 mil on Van Dijk, 60 mil on Alisson, 80 mil on Nunes. They have been spending a lot of money. It's just the poor decisions that they just, the, the singular players haven't been clicking. But then you look at Van Dijk and Alisson and it's, hang on a minute, we've got the best goalkeeper in the world. We've got the best centre-back in the world. We've got the best winger in the world. But hang on a minute, bro. Salah, what was Salah done? Salah hit 32 goals in his first season. He hasn't he hasn't hit above 23 since then. But I'm still hearing he's... He had scored in the last five games. Yeah, exactly. I'm still hearing. I'm still hearing. I, I and I'm, I'm pretty sure you're with me. I personally think Mane's better. I always, think, I always thought he was. Oh, yeah. No, I've always thought he was. And I will be honest, that first start of me being a salty Chelsea fan. But then I actually looked into it and I was like, no, no, no. I would rather have money on my side, like it, 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 you know. And then, like you, you, you can understand the decision to if you're going to keep one, you know, you keep the one that probably had the most on paper stats and probably a bit more of a fan favorite. I can understand it from that point of view, but like it feels like there's a cycle with Liverpool when they start making really good signings, which, which you know work at a decent price. I.e., you know how much they got Suarez for. I'm pretty sure it was in like the high thirty mil sort of ballpark and uh, what do they do the same season or maybe was it the season after the same season when they went and spent the same money on Andy Carroll and uh, then we, we look back and then now they, they you know they did those great investments in the Mane's in the Salas and then what do they do immediately they just start blowing their load on uh, Van Dijk on a, um, uh, this because they feel like they need to match the calibre around the pitch and why don't you just stick to the same sort of intelligent Moneyball-esque signings that you were doing at the beginning because it's just 
you're, you're just trying to turn into a club that you're not. Like, if you want to hang with Chelsea and you want to hang with Man City when it comes to the transfer window, bro, like, you've got to understand the amount of smoke that we've received. Like, I don't know about you, but me as a Chelsea fan, for probably 10, 15 years, I've had the wits end of it of people whispering in my ear how much overspending my club's done. And it's like, that's cool. I'm holding the Champions League trophy. Like, it's good. Like, I don't really care. When it works, it works. Oh, this is what I'm saying. It's it's been eleven. It's been eleven years, and I've seen my club lift two tra- Champions Leagues. And people want to come and they want to whisper shit in my ear, but it's like that's cool because when I'm watching Didier Drogba slamming in headers and then scoring game-winning penalties, I'm watching Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz is the perfect right. example because we were getting drilled for Kai Havertz and Timo Werner. Whether that's someone we bought both of them for the for the price that we paid, people were talking about overdoing it, overdoing this, and Fernando Torres as well when he what he did in the semi-final. It's the players that end up costing the most that have that composure in the final stage. You go, I'm gonna go on my on my keep. And we've since then, yeah, Timo's gone and Kai's still here. But I think Kai's elevated his style. I think he's a better player now than he was when he scored that goal. So mm-hmm. it, 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 it's it's a divisive opinion. Some people there, don't agree. There, I, I disagree there, bro. More to the table. Because no, it's understandable. But I believe that he brings more to the table. Backwards since that Champions League win, man. I, mean, I think look, the consistency in performances, yeah, they've been they've been flailing about. But I just think that he's got more ability he had than he had then. So I just personally, I feel he's already made his money by scoring that goal. Sim- I, th- that, yeah. that's what that's that, a given, right? Yeah, right. That's a given. When, when, when you put it like that, yeah, take take my seventy five mil, bro. Take my money. If you're gonna if if you're gonna look at me, object, look at me, object, look at it, sorry, objectively, and say, pay seven, pay over the odds for Havertz, but he'll get you a Champions League, a Super Cup, and a Club World Cup. I'd say. Yeah, I'll probably take the yeah, I'd, I'd In about 18 so, to 24 months as well. That's the exactly, thing, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. And at the end of the day, bro, I have no doubt that he's still going to contribute to more. Like, we're not going to, you know, we're not a stupid club. It's not like we're going to take the L and, and let him go for a, anything less than 40, 50 mil. If he does, it's not a bad, bad loss. If he doesn't, we've still got a fairly good quality player on the books for, the, you know, the next couple of seasons. But in that sense, you know, Liverpool have made a lot of big, you know, we, we touched on Darwin Nunes there. That is a sign in that, again, people were very excited about. Well, I think Liverpool fans, more than anyone, was very excited about. I think a lot of people were were sceptical of Darwin Nunes coming in. Me particularly, um, I'm very glad I never got on that train because he, to me, has never, ever looked anything more than, you know, a donkey. He looks like the fucking Tin Man in a Liverpool suit, bro. He, he, he's, he's awful up there. He just does not look like a football player. The one that has surprised me, I will say, is Cody Gakpa. I thought that was a very, very good signing. I thought nabbing him out from underneath United's nose. I thought under Ten Hag, he would have done very well. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been very disappointed, man. I thought in the World Cup, he looked quick. He looked sharp. He looked like he could finish. He looked like his positional awareness was very good, very, very intelligent. But he just doesn't look like he, he's clicking in this Liverpool side. And I don't know whether he, he looks gun-shy. But, but when you compare the front three... Of, you know, I mean, they always had Coutinho, uh, you know, when, when he was up there playing with uh, Firmino, you know, before then they had the, the Star, uh, Sturridge, Suarez, Sterling. And then for so many years, it was Firmino, uh, Firmino Mane, Salah. Now you're looking at that going, and at the start of the season, Liverpool fans were looking at it going, oh, Salah, Nunes, Diaz, that is going to win us the Champions League, that is going to win us the league. And even with Diaz out, Salah, Nunes, Gakpo, that is going to win us the Champions League. This three stinks, bro. This three hasn't got a goal in it. If it tried, bro, it's like I don't understand. I don't understand. They, when you look at them objectively, they should. They, they are all. No, there's an incredible statistic behind it. I think it was since the um, since the World Cup, 
the highest scoring player for uh, Liverpool has been own goals from Fout. So it, it's just funny to see that, like, you know, what, what we're in the first week of February and, you know, the end of December wraps up the World Cup. So it's been over six weeks and they haven't scored more than a goal uh, from an individual player. So it's just, you know, it's a, it's, it's a horrible statistic. It's a beautiful statistic from my point of view. But from a, from like a Liverpool slash neutral point of view, like even you know what it is, even watching the game without support, they're fucking shocking to watch, man. Mm. They're not entertaining. It's but not this fun. Thing, and it's, you say this, and everybody said Liverpool and the Gagan press and Jurgen Klopp's way of playing was was entertaining and it was exciting. It was rock and roll football. I have said this since day one. It was glorified Route One football. It was get the ball out wide to Alexander Arnold and to Robertson. Pump it forward to the front three and make them run over behind and play the ball in behind. Just use the pace of the front three. It was never attractive. It was never exciting in any way. It was just quick. It just happened in 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. It was just Alisson lumping the ball up and then all of a sudden you were one on one and everyone was like, oh, that's good. No, it's not. That's not good football. That's route one. Bro, go, go and watch Sunday League. Go and watch the fucking uh, North Square Premier, Blue Square Premier. You're going to see that. To in every single game for every 90 game. minutes. That like, is not exciting, man. Jurgen Klopp is not a tactical genius for this. And this is another thing. Like, I mean, I, I have a personal bias against him because the excuses he comes out with is shocking, you know, from the wind to the ball to the officials, which when and I saw another stat the other day, um, in terms of if you're looking at the VAR, um, VAR decisions and how they've helped teams, um, Liverpool have benefited the most this year. If it wasn't for VAR decisions, they would be in a relegation zone. So how Jurgen Klopp has the audacity to come out every single week and whinge about decisions that are made is mad. Um, obviously, Wolves uh, admin giving him a fantastic bit of banner. I don't know if you saw that, bruv. Uh, yeah, this is what I was going to bring up, man. Yeah. Off, so they posted the full-time result as 2-0. Don's bro, Ruben Nevers. No, it's, it's, it's exactly even his celebration battle. Rough, yeah, rough, rough, yeah. Bro. yeah. No, but listen, like that, that whole thing about the admin clowning, like you know what? When I saw that, the amount of respect I must I, I had for that geezer because re realistically, like what Klopp is saying there is, oh yeah, like we were the better side. They were just the one that scored more goals. He is a and it's just, it's just you're wrong, isn't it? Like you can you can say that the third goal, you know, it wasn't of a quality that substantiates a goal. But where are your goals, bro? Where are your tappings? Bro, you your got, little sweaty ones. Bro, I would, I would, I would be beefing him if I was the other manager. Obviously, not Lopez uh, Lopez because um, you know that man just smashed it out of the park. He can't say nothing. But even when the players aren't as good as the Liverpool players, or they don't play as well, I wouldn't take that, bro. If he was coming out and going, oh, we lost because of the wind, I'd be like, nah, bro, you lost because you were bullied. You lost because we wanted it more. When they lost against Brentford, bro, that was a prime example. They conceded five goals from set pieces in the first half. They conceded like four or five goals that game. And he came out and just whinged about everything. And I was like, bro, your team got battered. It was men against boys. He's sitting there defending Trent Alexander-Arnold week on week. The geezer can't defend. I was watching the Anfield Agenda well, uh, alongside watching the game the other night and he was hilarious, bro. He was like, where's Trent going? He's gone for a wonder. It's like, he's it, it literally said, it's like someone's playing him on FIFA and he's just running for the ball. He's just, he has yeah, no idea. Yeah. And it's, and you know, you see these players, like that that clip the other week went viral of Odegaard screaming at Lokonga to get back in position. Positions are so important in professional football, you know, keeping your lines, making sure you're aware of where the two players are in front and left of you. Alexander-Arnold has no idea. And how that back four, I mean, we spoke briefly on Joe Gomez, but how Liverpool are 
even considering, you know, wanting to play in Champions League when they've got Alexander Ronald at right back and Joel Matip at centre back, bro. That they need, they've got screws loose if they think that's going to happen, man. Yeah, if we want to talk about players that get away with bloody murder, like Joel Matip, man. Like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I feel like I am the first person to say it. I just do not hear criticism of this guy. And like, how, how many, the, I remember hearing Joel Matip's name when I was about 13. Like, I genuinely remember having him on Ultimate Team in like FIFA yeah. 11, FIFA 12. Yeah. So, why is what, what he's doing playing centre back at the highest level? For a club that has Premier League, you know, Champions League, FA Cup, treble winning aspirations, they have a genuine belief that this is possible. But then at the same time, like as we're talking about excuses, don't you think that it's extremely detrimental on the team when instead of being introspective and going, what are we doing wrong? You look at everyone else and you can blame all of them, but you will not look inside and be like, what do we need to do to get points? Because if we're going to complain about officials and weather and you know, oh, what well, Ivan Tony shouldn't even be playing. He put a tenor on. You know what I mean? It's like, well, you're focusing on the wrong thing. You shouldn't be focusing on like, oh, let's make sure that this was like this before the game and this person's doing this. Just don't concede four goals in the first half. It's really not that deep. Like, just stop people conceding in goals. Glass, people in glass houses should not throw stones and scousers in stones, bins bro. shouldn't say shit, bro. <laughs> it's word, bro. It's word, man. But no. we got we got to jump off the hate because honestly, like as 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 Premier League fat as as me and you as Englishmen, right? Like I want to see our league represented at the highest level, and I want Spanish people and I, I want German people to be like, all right, but like, could this player do it in the Premier League, even though they are from these other leagues, right? And Liverpool's a quintessential team in order of like you know people were looking at Liverpool and Man City against the as the dominant hegemony over the Premier League. And it's just never really been like that, especially with with Liverpool. I mean, Man City, fair enough, they have been relatively dominant in the last couple of seasons. But, you know, we need Liverpool to be to be big and good in order for the league to develop. The same I as, agree. you know, when Chelsea were big. So. They, have, they have a position and they have a place in a very, very specific place in English and European football. And this goes back to, and I remember kind of, Talking about Champions League qualify, uh, you know, knockout rounds in uh, 2003, 2004, you know, talking about Sammy Hoopia, uh, John Arnorisa, um, you know, you remember the back fours of Liverpool, the teams that used to play there, even going back to, you know, Carragher, Gerrard, but after that, Daniel Agar, Martin Skirtle, Dayane Lovren, these men always had man that would crunch you. These men were always on crud. They were always not dirty, but they were always a, a unit. They were always a. a they were rough, 100%. Yeah. Exactly. James Milner personified that. And this Liverpool that I see now, has become too accustomed to Klopp's excuses and too accustomed to saying, to, it's like you said, to laying the blame elsewhere and to saying, oh, this happened, this happened, this happened. No, bro, the, the, the problems are at home. Focus on the problems here. You look at the Liverpool team, you know, when, when you're out of those 11 players, when Andy Robertson is the, mo- is the most intimidating man on that pitch, what what are you to do, man? Who How are you going to back your players in a fight? If if some if something goes off, if someone puts in a hard tackle and turns around and goes, what are you gonna do? What's what's Andy Robertson? What are you man gonna? What's he's leaving, bro? He's leaving. He's turning around. He's not back. He's gonna do bro. Can't even even hit the target, man. How's he gonna hit another man? But honestly, yeah, it's crazy. Going from the Liverpool, and you're right. Going from the Liverpool that we used to see competing in quarterfinals, semi-finals of the Champions League year in year out. You know, I, I. as much as I hate it, I used to love the rivalry between Liverpool and Chelsea. It used to be a dead cert 
to get Liverpool and Chelsea in the Champions League. In the semi-final or the quarter-final, wherever it was, it was always a two-leg and there was always at least four or five goals in one of the games. There were always bangers. Ryan Babel was always on smoke. Dirk Cowell was yeah. always on smoke. You know, these man always on smoke, Dirk Always, the, you know, were the team to beat in, Liverpool, uh, in Europe, sorry. And Chelsea, I feel like in 2012, Chelsea eclipsed that. And Chelsea, in doing that, I don't know whether it hurt their pride or I don't know whether they just couldn't take it, but they, they Liverpool seem to still think, and this is the other thing that gets me, is Liverpool still seem to think they are the best and the biggest club. You know, even when they finished second, when they when City had 98 points and they finished 97, it was the best performing season. They gave themselves an award, I'm pretty sure, for the best performing season or the best club to finish second. Like best second place finish and shit like that. And it was like, but you didn't Ridiculous. win. You didn't, how are you giving yourself these accolades? And they'll fight even when they don't, you know, look at last year. They were rubbing two domestic cups in our faces. That was Chelsea when Kepa was in goal. You know, we had a dreadful team. They were beating Lampard's team and r- rubbing it in our faces. And all of a sudden, they- they've gone back into their shells. And it's also, can I, can I mention, no, can I mention oh, that? Hot. No, I was just going to say, like, I remember at the time when that was happening, like, we were active winners. So I just what what irritates me is how you can rub current success in the face of someone who's got just a, a better current success. And like obviously Chelsea's team didn't look excellent. And we weren't we you know we weren't doing too well in the league. We 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 were quite low down there. We were struggling, but I'm sorry, don't try shit if you can't hold a bang. Like it, we, we, they didn't beat us, and they didn't beat us in either game, bro. We drew both games. They beat both of us on penalties, and they were like, "Oh yeah, we beat." And they had to push it Yeah, you didn't do shit in the league, man. You didn't do shit in the Champions League, and year on year out, they just seem to find an excuse. It's a scapegoat. Liverpool is a scapegoat club. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What do you think is the next thing for them to do? Because the obvious solution is replacing Klopp. Right, and I feel like that is probably necessary just for just for like yeah. the future of the of the club. But at the same time, is there anything that he can do to change things, or is that the only solution? What do you think? So I I don't as much as I do think Klopp's races run, and if any other if he was at any other club, he would be gone by now. He wouldn't have seen this much time. I do think he's got more left to offer Liverpool. I don't think there is a better man for the job at the moment, and. Shout out real quick, shout out Scott, shout out on the ball podcast. I know massive Liverpool fans, they talk about Liverpool week in, week out. Would have loved to have them on this week to give us a, a, a bit of a better insight. Um, unfortunately, not. Hopefully, we'll be able to get a few more comments on him after this. Um, but I know for a fact he is very FSG out. The whole camp is over there. You know, a lot of the Liverpool fans are. And I feel like that, you know, net spend of 22 million a season speaks for itself. I feel like nothing is going to happen until a new owner with a new business model comes in. You know, you do need, at this stage, when you look at the squad they have, they do need a regeneration like Chelsea are getting at the moment with Todd Bowley. And, you know, if you were to ask a Liverpool fan right now if they would take 400 million investment in a season, you know, they'd bite your hand off without, you know, without even thinking, you know, they'd slag you off all season and say they should be able to do that, should be able to do that. But when when it happens, watch this, and United fans will be exactly the same. When United and Liverpool get sold in the next two seasons and they get 500 mil thrown at them, you won't hear nothing from them. It will be all quiet on that front. But I genuinely think that with the right investment, they will be able to bring it back. I'm still firmly in the camp of, look, if if they, and I still think Bellingham will go in the summer. I think 
despite all the recent talks this week um, that he's not interested, I still think Liverpool is the place for him. I think they're going to throw the money at him. It just makes sense, I feel. And yeah. I feel like they are two or three signings away from getting back up to that, up to the pinnacle. You know, when you look at it, if you get, if you get a world-class centre-back in, you get Guardiola in alongside Van Dijk, you get a world-class centre-mid in, you know, they wanted many. If they had got many in the summer, I think it would be a slightly different story. Someone like Camavinga, I think it would be a slightly different story. But you get someone like Bellingham in the summer to, to revolutionise that midfield and you get someone up front to replace Mo Salah. If you've got Cody Gakpo, you know, not even Nunes, Cody Gakpo who starts firing and Jota, Luis Diaz, you know, you've got enough talent up there to be a Champions League competing side. I don't think Champions League winning side just yet, but Liverpool certainly have enough to be in and amongst the conversation. And let's be honest, bro, like you said at the start of the video, we both thought they were going to finish higher. I had them for second this year. I still yeah. think they're going to finish a lot higher than they are. Yeah. I don't think they'll make top six, but yeah, unfortunately, as much as I don't like to say it, I still think they are kind of only two or three signings away. You know, you look at the, the majority of players in there, they are you know, not far off being world-class. You know, Thiago, Fabinho, on their good... You know, Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold, on a good day, they are very, very good players. So, Liverpool, I think, still have a very, very good squad. And for me, I think Klopp has got a little bit more time left in him. Yeah. Uh, Well, to be fair, I, I, I do agree, like, with the main issue being the FSG rather than Klopp. I would think that they would definitely benefit a lot from... Moving Klopp and having him replaced, but I just don't see any fit candidates at the moment. I mean, you, you can I was going to say, who would you, if theoretically he goes, <laughs> replace him with? Because you've got what? Not Tuchel. Zidane. Yeah. Tuchel. I was going to say, not, not, not Tuchel. I wouldn't like to see that. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm but, thinking about it, that fits the mould. That, that's why That's that's why it was the first thing that came to my head, is because the style of play Tuchel yeah, he wants to come back. He wants the Premier League and there's an open position for him at Liverpool. I mean, listen, if he goes over there, it's very long for everyone else because the style of football that he plays, if they get Bellingham in as well, it's just so... It's perfect. It's genuinely perfect. Right, you know what would be dangerous? Tuchel at City. If Guardiola goes in the summer. Imagine Guardiola goes and Tuchel at I've City. About this before. I've thought about this before when people are talking about Pep. Like, and I was like, who's... It? Active candidates. I think Zidane's going to steal that role personally. I feel like that's what's going to end up happening. Yeah, I just have a feeling that that's what's going to happen. I don't know why. I just, you know, the players that they have available and based on the managers, like Zidane wants to work with those players. Z- what was Zidane going to be able to get out of Erling Haaland is just an absolute. What well, like, would be able to get out of Haaland, man? Yeah, but what would that, this is the thing. What would Tuchel be able to get out of um, KDB? And I don't think anywhere near as much as Izu would. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, it's it's just it, it's a whole bunch of what ifs. But like, really realistically, I feel like you either get rid of Klopp or you change the ownership. I don't think that both at the same time is a is a fair, plausible thing to do. And if you have to choose between the two, I would say probably go with the money and change your ownership because that has probably short-term benefits, you know, and then we can figure out the management later. I mean, we've seen what's happened with Chelsea, what happens when you swap your manager and your owner in a very short period of time. It just, everything kind of goes up in the air. But, you know, there's, there's days I wake up and I, I forget that Graham Potter's at the helm, you know, like it's, it gets like that, bro. Like it's, it's, it's long, but like, you know, we're, I, I feel like what Liverpool need to do, honestly, right now is change some ownership, uh, get the right players in, you know, get Guardiola, get Bellingham, uh, sell, sell Salah, bite the bullet, 
you know, just go do these things that you don't want to do, but, you know, someone who wants to do. I mean, we saw a 20-year-old by Morecambe the other day. I mean, what's happening in football at the minute is absolutely insane. Anyone could come in with a bid left fielder if you've got enough money for Liverpool. And, you know, if it is someone that's got the pockets, if it's someone that's got the mentality and someone that's got the heart for it, bro, th there's a problem on our hands, you know what I mean? But until then, I'm happy to see them struggling. Uh, so, you know, let, let's keep let's keep them all there at the minute. It seems yeah. to be fun from our perspective. That's, yeah, it's, it's, I feel like it's inevitable, whether it's, you know, sooner or later it's going to happen. And, uh, yeah, well, Liverpool fans will certainly be the most excited out of all of us. Um, but yeah, man, that pretty much wraps it up, I think, for our, the second episode, second instalment of our What's Gone Wrong mini-series. Um, obviously, yeah, a um, bit gutted to not have a guest this week. Hopefully, we'll write that next week. Uh, but hopefully, we'll get a little bit more insight from uh, Scott and the boys over onto the ball uh, to add in after the video. Um, but yeah, um, obviously, great to, uh, to, to crack onto the second team. We've got three more. Three more parts to do in this mini series. Looking forward to getting to uh, getting to the next part. Uh, make sure to drop a like and comment on the video. Comment who you want to see us next. Uh, we've already got one locked in for next week, so you'll probably see that. But um, who knows, man? Premier League. Anyone with one big loss, anyone could be on this mini series, man. It really does get like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. The Premier time. League is a crazy league. Just the one one thing I wanted to say is listen. Find us on the Instagram, man. Two Blues Podcast. Come send us a DM. If you want to get on the video and you watch it, we'll put you on. We'll get you on. Just tell us who's the club. And if we feel like we see fit, that that's one of the ones we're going to go for. We'll do it, man. Anyone can hold these hands. Anyone can jump on there and then they can chat your shit. You know what I mean? So come on there. Get involved, man. We're interactive. We're live. Oh, you see us posted. Listen, I'm not searching not on my back pocket, but I'm holding this guy down. G. Don't worry, man. We've got these things coming. But please let us know. Get involved. 100%, man, 100%. Talking to Smoke and Insta, look, Smoked in Podcast, brand new podcast focusing on all things UFC as well. Get that. You know, hit uh, Two Blues Podcast on Instagram and a TikTok for everything's Two Blues, everything football. Um, and yeah, man, you know what we are. You know who we do. Um, we'll be back next week. Pause. Love.